startups that are bootstrapped, they're really businesses already. The problem is when you do that, you're most likely going consistent. They're awesome people who are going to do awesome things. To me, that's that's the key. Maybe there's a way to just kind of start over a little bit. Hey, listener. This is Adam Beta. My name is Peter Soom, and my co-host is Matt Wensing. Matt is the founder of Summit, and I'm the founder of Reform. And on this podcast, you get to follow along on our startup journeys. Don't forget to check out our website on adambeta.fm to find our entire back catalog and other resources, including our Start Here page for new listeners. Let's go. Hey, Matt. Hey, Peter. What uh, What is up? Oh, man. Uh, a, lo- a lot is up. Uh a lot is up. This week is extremely busy. How are you doing? I uh doing okay except um sick, which is why my my voice sounds different. Mm. You know, when you ha- when your kid is sick, it's such a perfect double punch. It's like you get like a week for us it's like a week and a half of having a sick child, having mm-hmm. them at home mm-hmm. and you're just exhausted. And you just can't wait for them to get back in daycare and like you getting back your back your normal life again. Yeah, of course. And then it hits. Then it hits you. <laughs> then it hits and you. Yeah. Because you get like equal like exposure as parents, it often hits at the same time. Mm. Oh, it's awful. And then the kid yeah. is like, I didn't do anything for like ten days. I have so much energy. Oh, and yeah, you're gonna entertain me. <laughs> and and all you can do is lay on the couch and just like move your index finger. And try to roll a little yeah. toy around and hope that that's entertaining. And they're like, "Dad, no, Dada." I think that's called a remote control. <laughs> that's about all. Yeah, that's these days. It's called here's the iPad. Uh, here's yeah. the here's the app you're allowed to use. It's uh, yeah. G-rated Netflix. Have fun. <laughs> yep. So that's uh, that's what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. It's uh, it sucks. Yeah. That's all I can say. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, there was those weeks in our house where everyone would get the flu. And I have to say, I, I don't, nobody understands this in my household, uh, but I rarely get sick. And so those those waves would often miss me. I would like take care of, I mean, so I would be the one sort of walking around this the house in a hazmat suit, uh, hazardous material <laughs> suit, like per, taking care of everybody, hoping not to get sick. And like more often than not, I wouldn't. Uh, and so for me, there was often times where it was like four or five people sick all at the same time. And I was just like, just tiptoeing around and washing my hands incessantly and hoping for the best, but it's no fun. So, uh, yeah, so that, that's what you're up to or down to this week. Yeah. Before we start, I want to talk about our sponsor this week for the fourth week in a row, which is Whimsical. Uh, Whimsical is an amazing tool. Uh, you can create documents. You can create flowcharts, wireframes for your product, do mind maps, and you can even do project management in there. So you have this canvas, you can throw on these boards, and Whimsical is pretty cool like that. You can just mix and match all their different products in these canvases. Check them out. As we said last time, Stripe uses them. We're big fans. It's completely free to get started, and you can go to whimsical.com slash out of beta, and there's no credit card required to sign up, so really no excuse not to try out Whimsical. Thank you, Whimsical. And later in this episode, we'll roll the final snippet from our, I guess, jam session on Whimsical as a business. If people haven't listened to that episode, they can find it in the feed, uh, talking about Whimsical is what it's called. And it's just Matt and I talking about Whimsical as a business. Uh, Matt went back in the Wayback Machine and and found out some interesting things. And uh, yeah, I've got some good feedback on that episode, so uh, people should check it out. But then uh, I got to go to London last week, so that was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah. Do, um, 
We should talk about that. Yeah, we should. It's important. <laughs> no, it was it's it nice. It was um it was microconf the first day. Mm-hmm. And because my son was sick, I didn't want to go before he was not that sick and like just like you know, knew that he wasn't going to be have to go to the hospital or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um I I rebooked my flights until the morning of the microconf event. So I've I've I left home at like two thirty in the morning. Mm. Took a train to the airport. Some people asked how I managed to edit the podcast and be at Microconf the same morning because they I sat on the show that we recorded at and during the evening before I was leaving. So I did that on the train. Had a nice train ride. That was like a nice morning activity to edit the podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, hopped on a the plane and went straight from the airport to Microconf. And I was there even there five minutes early. So. Felt felt really good about that. I ended That's, up being quite tired during the day. <laughs> I can imagine, dude. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was cool. There was uh, a lot of a uh, lot of great people there. So it was uh, like old friends, like Rob and Einer from Tiny Seed, and other founders I knew from other conferences was there. Mm-hmm. And then quite a lot of like Twitter acquaintances that I had never met in real life. Mm. Uh, especially everyone you know that you talked to on Twitter for the last three years. Yeah, yeah it adds up. That's cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. And then new people that I, I didn't really know. Yeah. And there were quite a few people that either listened to the podcast here or like they were, there was one guy, um, I don't know if you listened to the podcast, Paul, I think we were, we were sitting at the same table for, for lunch and we were talking, someone else was asking me something about reform and how I thought about it. Mm. And it's like, we've been sitting there for 20 minutes and we haven't spoken much to this, uh, to Paul who was there as well and he's like yeah i use your product it's great and he started talking about it's like you just quietly sat there the whole time and like listened to me talk about this thing yeah you you know that's really really cool that is really cool yeah Yeah, that's that's great yeah i uh, i'm happy for you i I remember having that experience a little bit at microconf us just before uh things kicked off anyway yeah i'd sit there Actually, what would happen is I would start talking about Summit or who I am, and they would interrupt me and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I listen to the podcast. I, I know all about that. <laughs> you, don't, know. you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me that." I'm like, "Oh, what, yeah. what do I say? What do I say then?" <laughs> so then I was right. like, "Well, okay, tell me about you." <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah. We, were, we were a few people that traveled uh, from other countries outside the UK, so mm. that was cool as well. People, if, if you know, people were invested in like getting there and and meeting up and so yeah yeah i enjoyed it and then randomly uh that evening there was a a meetup called indie beers that's quite big in london so they usually get like 50 people show up at a pub and um yeah i think it's uh his name is charlie the organizer it was used used to be called the weekend club or something when he runs and now it's called ramen club it's quite cool huh the way I understood it was like they would meet up at a ramen place and work for like four hours or something and then tell each other, <laughs> tell everyone what they made after okay. four hours or something like that. Oh, Quite interesting. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, this this meetup was cool. So it was like it was extra big because of microconf because there were a lot of people that went from microconf to the, the meetup. And I really liked how they did it because, um, you know, it's a pub. So it's a, like a public place where there's a lot of people and people that are not there, <laughs> they mm-hmm. don't know what indie 
uh, hackers are or what we would be doing there. Um, but they had a stack of uh, stickers that you could put on your uh, on your chest. Mm-hmm. So that was quite neat. So like you could walk around um, and you could see people have these stickers on. So you know that you probably wouldn't put a sticker on if you didn't want other people to talk to you. Yeah. So I like that idea. Going to use that um, smart in the future, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And then uh, the next day was just uh, a few people asked me if I wanted to meet up or like go out for dinner or something like that. But my my uh, London policy was that if you're not going to be at microconf i'm not going to meet you because mm. the next day is just going to be me for the first time in a long time just having a day all for myself <laughs> wake nice. up in a hotel and like spend the whole day in in london and yeah, that yeah. Was quite nice. that's great i, 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 I really yeah. enjoyed that yeah i had lunch with uh, a friend of mine yesterday uh actually my my co-founder at, at storm pulse uh for a startup and uh he's he's single no kids uh we we meet up and like at the end I'm like, oh yeah, do you want to like grab a coffee uh, before we like have to go? Like, I I told him I'm like I think I have another thirty minutes or so. I'm like, are you good? He's like, my time is my own, so I'm good. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, like he's like I I literally don't have to be anywhere by any time for anyone. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You for, you forget what that's like. <laughs> I'm meeting a friend in three days, so you know. Yeah, exactly. Like I I'm good. Like I. I'm yeah. actually fine for the next 72 hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're like my first day to myself where I decide what I'm doing every yeah. hour of the day for a very long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, so how did you spend I, that I, day? I just walked mm. all, I, I walked the whole day around London and. Oh, cool. I ate a lot of food, all the food we don't have around here. So really enjoyed that and then in the end of the day i was so tired but like it just felt like too early to go back to my hotel mm-hmm. so uh i found a, a brew dog bar which is a, a scottish brewery that's quite cool they had they have quite a cool story they were crowdfunded and mm. um the one of the founders wrote a book called business for punks that that's quite good um huh. But yeah, I I found one and uh, you know it's something I miss from living in Scotland. So mm-hmm. that was a good way to end the day. Cool. Had a good beer and uh, reflected about all the stuff yeah. that I talked to people about. And nice. Yeah, and then I went home the next day, and uh, here cool. I am. Cool, cool. That sounds great. Back in the grind. Good for you. Yeah, I can roll into my update. Okay. If uh, unless you have any uh, London. Other London <laughs> questions. Uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I actually I should ask: Is that sarcastic or no? The weather was great. No, it was good. It was quite okay. good, and, and it's often pretty warm in London actually because it's quite southern. Mm, oh, okay. Yeah, but then not everyone has AC and all these other things I hear about. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it's not. It's not very nice when it's uh, when it's hot. <laughs> it's actually, like, no, nowhere to go. My hotel yeah. did though. So, so okay, okay, good. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, sure. How's, um, first of all, I'm glad that went well. Uh, and, uh, sorry you deal with sickness stuff now, but, uh, yeah. How's, how's business? It's, uh, it's, it's slowly happening. feels like. So, um, mm-hmm. I was bragging about our net negative churn last week mm. and I jinxed it. So, um, oh, one of our, yeah. oh, well, basically our largest customer churned right after that episode went out. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
And I knew that they were going to churn because they hadn't used the product for almost a month okay. or more than a month, I think, actually. Okay. So, and they're paying like 15 times or something or 10 times what other accounts pay because they're quite quite high volume. So um, they, they stopped using the product. And um, so I knew they were going to churn, but I, I didn't appreciate the timing, you know. We finally uh, had this mm. net mm. negative churn happening. They're big enough that they mess with that. Um, yeah. Two nice things, basically. Um, other people started using the product more, so we're almost back to the same volume. They had like they had very high volume, so they they were, you know, they were noticeable in our metrics. Mm. And um, and even with them churning, we still have really low uh, net churn of like mm. one point something percent. Mm-hmm. So. It's still like we, it's it's still gone down like ninety percent or something like that from where it was six months ago. So okay. I still I, I don't feel bad about it. like even with this one churning uh, this month, like we still had really good churn numbers. So I good yeah. It's you know it's just something that happens, and when you have customers that are larger accounts, like it's just more of a risk <laughs> that they're gonna mess with your metrics. Yeah. In oh yeah. In in both directions yeah um but yeah the cool thing is so when you talk about like uh, net churn and we talked about that quite a bit last time so i won't talk about it too much but basically the the thing that that makes up for your churn is people upgrading normally and that's actually not the largest part in our case the, the largest part is people reactivating so people that were using the product in the past and had churned, but are coming back to use the product again for another thing, or like for you know be, becoming customers again for a few months, mm-hmm. churning and becoming customers again, and that's I think just because we've been in business now for uh, a year, a bit more than a year, we're really starting to see that. So, quite a big of our uh, new MRR this month has been people that had been customers in the past coming back, and. It makes me feel so much better about the high churn we had because mm. it's just it's just something I think inherent about the product that people don't necessarily need it all the time. At least not all people need it all the time. So right. having like a subscription pricing model isn't like it it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. I think it would be smart for us to have a way for people to just pause it. Um so they don't have to actually cancel. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it makes me happy because normally churn means that you you didn't do your job well, I guess. Like you got the wrong customer or like you didn't deliver value enough or something. Yeah. So when people literally just cancel because they don't need it and then they come back when they need it, you like that's a good sign that you did something right. Yeah. It, it I I really think that as Summit grows, we're going to end up looking at churn key uh, or some solution like that that when people go to cancel it's not obnoxious. It doesn't force them to do anything out of the ordinary, but it does give them like the option of pausing their subscription or like going to a slightly, you know, maybe taking advantage of a discount. Like it feels, it feels like if somebody just wants to hibernate their subscription, that would be really interesting nuance to get from a user instead of like when they cancel, if they don't tell you why you really, like you said, you don't know like, Oh man, they like fired the product. Is it, is it me or is it you? <laughs> you know, and if they just said, yeah, and if if they just said pause, you'd be like, oh, I, I get it. It's not me. It's you. <laughs> it, it's your usage yeah. of it for now or whatever. Yeah, 
Yeah, and 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 I'm not very good at doing this, but I did it with this large account because you know they're quite big, and I've talked yeah. to them a bit when they were setting uh, reform up in their product. So so I messaged the founder of that company and and I asked him like, did we screw something up? Like I hope we didn't mess something up because it looked like you're quite happy. Yeah, he's like, oh no, we just didn't need it right now, but we'll come back when we need it again. Oh, that's great. Okay, that's great. Yeah, that's that feels so, really good. So I think. You know, the reactivations are really making up for the churn because I think our churn is high not because people don't like the product. Our churn is high because people don't want to pay for it all the time. But they're most people are pretty happy with the product and want to like if they've used it once, they actually want to use it again when they need it. So they 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 leave with a, a positive sentiment, and. Mm. I think that's why we're going to see that reactivations actually save us from a lot of the churn that I was worrying about. Hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. not the kind of churn that's activation churn, basically, like failure of activation. But I think what? the free plan helps with that, which is why it's kind of like we're so close to net uh, zero churn. Because what the does... free plan takes care of the activation stuff and the yeah. reactivations adds up for the for the churn. What... What does somebody lose, if anything, when they cancel or churn from paid to free? Do they lose anything that makes them second guess? Right now, they don't. Like, they can still log in. And we don't even turn off their forms, to be honest. We just haven't bothered building that. Mm. I feel like if you, you could probably reduce churn significantly if somebody, if you added a little bit of analysis tooling to the data and yeah. you basically said, like, your data will be deleted, you know, by canceling. Like now, I don't want to cancel if it's only X bucks a month. You know. Um, yeah, it feels fairer if you did that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I pay five dollars a month for Squadcast, even though most of uh, first of all, like we don't use it very much these days. Like we normally use a Riverside, mm-hmm. but we still use it sometimes as a backup, and also all the old recordings in there. I could download them and and have them, but I pay five dollars a month for them to keep them, mm-hmm. which is like a no brainer. Yeah, me. yeah. Because hmm. then I don't have to make the decision now of what to do with yeah. the podcast account. Exactly. I feel like that's uh, yeah. It you have lots of options. So anyway, back to the main thing though. Yeah. Anyways, you, uh, yeah. you're, you're in so good shape. I, I, <laughs> I feel good about that. Like it feels like growing the, a business with low churn. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, you know, it's better. Than, yeah, uh, trying to grow a business with a very high churn. I I I take churn very. Uh, it hurts, you know. It hurts. Like, I take it personally, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I I will say I don't take it personally anymore because I've seen so much of it, uh, like past business, this business. So it, it's sort of like okay, it's inevitable, but it still stings a little bit. Like it just because I think oh now that's like. That's a hole I have to fill now with something else. And so I think I approach Summit very retention focused um, before I even focused on sales and marketing. Like I really didn't want to grow the top of funnel until I felt like retention was strong um, Mm. because it just, it's, it's, you know, it's so hard to gain ground on these products uh, if you have high churn. So, um, I think I think you have to be some kind of sales and marketing genius, basically, to overcome a high churn product right. situation. And I don't want to bet on that for us. <laughs> so, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. We still have a lot of annual plans that are coming up for renewal, so we'll see what that mm, does. Suspense, yes. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I keep doing marketing, um, mm-hmm. keep investing in SEO. I just launched, uh, I did this kind of like a template gallery. So, and it's super, it's bare bones right now. It's just, uh, there's not even a template for most of them. Hmm. Uh, but it's basically stuff that I want to try to rank for. So I have a long list, basically. There's no design or anything. And then each of them links to a page for hmm. a, a specific template. And then there's like two paragraphs of text. And hmm. my my goal with that was basically just, it, it took a few days to like, you know, set it up on the side and write like 25 little descriptions or something like that. But mm-hmm. then... My my goal was just to get it out there because now now Google knows that it's there and then maybe some of them will get um, indexed randomly and start to rank. Then we can double down on those. Most likely we'll have to do some more work, but at least they're out there. And I think I think just them like just the like the page existing mm-hmm. gives it some like um, what's the word. Like it just gives some age to the page and mm-hmm. it sends a signal to Google that we we have this thing. <laughs> and, yeah. And then we can update that and, and pick which ones we want to actually build templates around and, and add more content to. And mm-hmm. yeah, so we, we've kind of seen it work with a, a page where we added a lot of content and like a lot of text and uh, like images and videos and stuff like that. But the thing is, maybe we don't need to do that for all of them. So maybe it would be interesting just to see, first of all, like if we don't add very much, do we still have a chance with some of them? Because mm-hmm. then there's no <laughs> point in doing a lot of hard work to begin with. Yeah. And then um, starting to do more uh, like content pages for other things like com- competitor pages, which is something that people seem to be excited about ranking for yeah and uh so it, it it's been a uh, difficult for me to have like a super sharp pitch for how we're better than say typeform but having the free plan really helps because <laughs> you could be the free alternative so it's like very obvious yeah you're doing differently yeah i mean well I, so you have definitely expressed before how you're different than Typeform and all those things. Um, even without mentioning them on your homepage, it's pretty clear that you're <laughs> you're talking about some incumbent, right? So when you say yeah. when when you say that, what do you mean uh, about it? No, just like what what to focus on and how mm. to say it and what oh, resonates yeah. with people. Okay, yeah. So wrestling but, through kind of the language to use. There's some people at at, at MicroConf that ask me well, what, what reform was. And I was like, it's, you know, it's kind of like type form, um, but you're going to have more than one que- You're going to have more than one question in each page. <laughs> and they were like, oh, that's awesome. Um, I wish my, I wish I could explain my product like that. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's great. So very, they, and then if they... people are still like more than one. And then I'm like, yes, it's like, what's your first name next? What's your last name next? And then they're like, oh yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's like, I mean, this. Okay, at the same time, it's like timeout. That's called a form on the internet. <laughs> and the fact that Typeform has convinced people that one at a time is 
is normal. Like, you know, like yeah, it's interesting. If you check out at Amazon for a product, you don't have one field per page. You know, so <laughs> the context that you're in mentally or when people are in when they think of that is it's very strange to me that typeform succeeded at somehow inverting that and making us think that like that's somehow normal or the way we would want it to be even most of the time you know it feels like the exception yeah. that forms would be <laughs> one field at a time um bizarre. yeah i think it's yeah. a bit of a regression maybe mm-hmm. yeah and yeah and be- because of that, things will sort of restore. They'll either swing back the other way, which would be great for you, or they'll just become more balanced and sophisticated, which would also be good for you. Either way, it's obviously a dumb world where we think of the normal thing as one field per page. Um, yeah. 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 Yeah, so I'm working on that. Uh, that's one of the main things I do these days is the SEO stuff, just mm-hmm. kind of building out that foundation. Uh, Bjorn is working on our ConvertKit integration, which I'm quite excited about. Mm-hmm. And I've I, I've said from the beginning, I don't like I don't mind if it takes a week or two longer. If it's if it's really good, like I, I I don't necessarily I don't want this one to be like let's just get something out there and then we can improve it and then yeah. we might not have time to go back and improve it. Like let's make it really good because I feel like it's a good opportunity for us and it's an it's an integration where we, you know, we have, have connections at, you know, both at ConvertKit and people uh, who are like power users of ConvertKit that are going to see this. And it's a chance of like impressing them and, and making a good impression. Oh, for sure. And making them excited about sh- sharing what we built. Yep. So it just feels like one of those things where like if you put in like the extra 10 or 20%, it's just totally worth it. Yes. And um, one of my goals for MicroConf actually was to chase down Brendan Dunn and just, you know, pull out all his knowledge about uh, how a ConvertKit integration should work. Yeah, for and sure. So he's, he's using Reform. He's, uh, he's blocked and, and written his newsletter about how he uses Reform um, to kind of onboard new subscribers to his newsletter. He, he asks them a few questions. And he actually talked about that in his microconf talk, and he shared oh, wow. the form uh, on a slide, which made amazing. Me, yeah, that uh, I I I told someone that's my love language. You know, <laughs> people talking about my product like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, uh, we we are of the same kind, my friend. <laughs> we all go freemium, don't you notice? <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't have to pay me. Please just talk about it. my products. Yeah, <laughs> just use it. Uh, yeah. Payments optional. <laughs> click, click here. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, he shared some really good insights. Um, something that we wouldn't have figured out on our own just from reading their API documentation, and 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 so it's taken how we're going to do the integration from. There's going to be like, in the beginning, we thought like we're going to have to ask people some kind of silly things just to make it work the way we want it to work. Um, but he had some, you know, roundabout ways that we could use their API where we we can get really close to having a, a ConvertKit integration that basically has no setup except like here, paste your key here. And I think that combined with our plans around templates where we are going to, 
we're going to make templates more dynamic. So the, the end experience for someone, let's say, hearing Brennan talk about ConvertKit and Reform or ConvertKit like sharing our, uh, our, their integration with Reform is going to be like sign up for Reform, pick the ConvertKit related template or one of the ConvertKit related templates we have. And then it's like at like the name of your project or whatever, um, pick, uh, paste your API key will link to like make it easy for you to fetch it. And then that's basically probably going to be it. Then you can obviously, you know, modify the form. You can upload your logo and whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But with just like a few clicks and like one copy and paste, you should have a form that's relevant to someone who's using ConvertKit that's already hooked up to your ConvertKit account with an integration enabled and configured in a way, kind of like a clever way that we, because we understand how ConvertKit works kind of behind the scenes, I guess, mm-hmm. can. So, so from their point of view, like they're not even going to see our integrations page. Hopefully that's my goal. Like they're just going to sign up for a thing, pick ConvertKit and then for all they care, like Reform is like a, a ConvertKit thing almost. Like it, it, it's something that works with ConvertKit. And yeah. it's hopefully like pretty seamless. That sounds amazing. That's my goal. <laughs> That's kind of like the vision I've tried to like. Um, the thing is, is like think about it. ConvertKit also has so many customers and users that it's a whole segment for you to forty thousand. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great segment for you to find paying customers left and right, like, and build a decent revenue stream without even. I always like to think of, you know, take a company's revenue and divide by 10 and there's probably room for a company to just sort of support their customer base and achieve that revenue. So like silly example, if there's a billion dollar company, then there's probably room for like, there's definitely room for a hundred million dollar company to just support and sell to that that, that giant company's you know, needs and customers, et cetera. So, you know, we know that uh, ConvertKit is a, you know, 30 something million dollar a year business. Like there's, it's easy to imagine a $3 million, if not $300,000 at least business to be built that just caters to and supports them. Because why you could, because if 10% of their customers are willing to pay the same amount for your thing to enhance their experience or however you want to slice and dice that, that's a that's a decent that's a decent market. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's real, you know. Um, so I'm very excited for you to like find fit with their customer base in a very, you know, very sort of satisfying way for those users. Right? Um, seems really. Let's smart. hope. Yeah, I don't and see why the, not. Like, actually, can I ask you one more question about that? Like, yeah, what are these users doing today? Can you contrast that? Yeah, I mean, they if they wanted so ConvertKit has a forms product. Okay, it's just very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't really have a form builder. Like it's more of a like you can add extra fields to your email sign up form. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not like a you can't make make very complicated forms. Um, so. Some people would probably like if they just need to ask an extra question on sign up, they would use that product. Um, 
But I think, so the use case that Brennan is using it for, and I think what he would probably just use Typeform before, I know he's used Typeform before, is when he, when someone signs up in the welcome email, he sends them a form mm-hmm. where he asks, asks them for a couple of things and he uses that um, to segment them in his ConvertKit account. Okay. I don't think he wants that friction on the sign up because he mm-hmm. want to make it, he want to just like get your email and then he'll take it from there. Right. Right. So, and then that's not, so that's, then you wouldn't use ConvertKit's form product because that's more of a sign up thing. Right. So it's most likely emailing your, you know, your subscribers something you want to learn from them or okay. have them sign up for something or register for something. So I think we're going to realize there are quite a few things that we probably need or not need, but I could see payments being one of them. Mm-hmm. I will say ConvertKit also have a, has a payments product, so maybe we don't want to c- compete too much with that. Um, yeah. Interesting. You be yeah. Huh. I like it. I I, I like it because the fact that they even carved out a little, you know, like you said, a little forms product, etc., shows that they were they saw a significant enough need to prioritize that, started building something, but then probably just a lack of focus or ability to focus on that just kind of means it's not, you know, going to be as I good. Think, I think it's mostly also a different use case. Well, mm. our product will also allow people to use Reform as a sign up. Uh, form yeah but it could also just be that you're doing something with a form and you want everyone to also become a subscriber afterwards got it cool yeah, uh, yeah so, so what's Bjorn is working on that he's I haven't working really on that. Okay. I yeah. haven't uh, I've just been talking about it <laughs> <laughs> nice he's uh, he's working been working on that while I was in London I need to work on it this week mm-hmm. Um this week is kind of a short week in Denmark. It's a three-day week. Mm. And um, yeah, then next week, we're planning to launch the free product on Product Hunt. Yay. And I and- I tweeted out that I was going to, I guess, live tweet the whole process of that. Yeah. Because there's quite a lot of stuff that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I did it, you know, half a year ago, and it, it, and it went well. I don't expect a kind of like a sub product. So like... A, the, you know, the free product in reform to do as well as the main product. Mm-hmm. But I think you can still do like decently well. And uh, yeah, so I was like, why not turn this into sort of like a, a meta thing where I also talk about how to launch something on Product Hunt. Yeah. Can't hurt. Yeah. And then get some extra exposure that way and, and share something. Like it's it's fun to do like a live case study, I guess. Yeah. Even that though I don't seems... expect it to like blow up because it's yeah, as I said, like it's kind of already launched. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else it creates more free will and brand exposure for reform. So, that's a good thing. Yeah. Our goal is to in that kind of community, product hunt community, indie hacker community, make sure that as many people as possible know that reform is no longer only paid. Mm. Because I want I just want people to also like what you know when someone asks on Twitter for like a free typeform alternative or something like that, I wanted to all like I want someone to I want more people to chime in with reform basically. Yeah, that's yeah, and they might be withholding that a little bit because they're just like I don't want to recommend something that's got friction to get started. Yeah, yeah, 
makes sense. Yeah. So that's that's the plan there. Cool. Yeah, I guess uh, that was my update. I would love to sit in on a sales call or a sales demo on a whimsical mm. sales demo because I'm just I'm I'm thinking like you have this you have a great product you have like traction within like a subgroup in a company or something like that and now you're mm. like you've raised this money and let's start like think about growing the organization having a sales team for example and you probably hire like someone who's really good at sales hopefully and like seeing a really really good salesperson come in and I can almost picture them like showing some artifacts almost that someone else in that organization created mm. and had like success with kind of like showing how you could bring this to to the rest of the organization yeah that's kind of like in my head how i imagine it would be but i would just love to see that getting executed yeah you know and then you have to do things like you know somebody's got to keep track of the fact that you know they have a figma whatever subscription which is expiring in may of next year and so the right time to reach out is going to be march because you want to they want to have this in place when that expires and you need to get everybody moved over and like this is all this is all real stuff that you either deal with or you just sort of don't and then they renew their figma subscription or whatever competitor it is and you just you miss out that stuff you know people aren't going to take it on themselves necessarily to do all of that transformational work but if you help them you'll be better off for it so yeah it's it's fun in that sense of kind of strategizing and then executing on a plan to win a customer but you're really helping them buy your product and it starts with you know the earliest users probably being free users who just start sharing it yes i suppose you want to know what's going on in summit land <laughs> these yeah days. that would be uh, <laughs> i mean I, i've seen something on twitter that made me mm. excited and i saw at least one other person say that it really clicked with them yeah that was interesting right uh and that's I, there was somebody else who said that too like you said at least um we, I actually want to take this back to, let's do this sort of, uh, um, let's do this sort of out of beta style and, and think about frameworks. Okay. So forces of progress, it's a jobs to be done framework. Bob Muesta, I think he invented it. Um, essentially a way of thinking about the push and pull that is on a prospect of your product. Somebody who is pulled towards the hope of a brighter future and using something new and switching to something new. And then the pull, which is like all the things that keep you back from using that new thing. Um, actually there's push pull and then there's anxieties, right? So all these forces are acting on someone. Yeah. I think we had an episode on this. If not, we should do it, maybe a focused one. But the point is all these motivations are acting on somebody and demotivations with summit up until now, we sort of promoted it as, it's a visual builder. It's an IDE for this language that we developed. With that language, you can do really amazing things that are hard to do in Excel or impossible. Um, it's got a lot of power. It, the, the, it looks really great. It presents well, et cetera. You should use it. And we've gotten you know, a good number of customers and it's growing steadily. Um, but then we, we realized, well, I'd say realize because it makes it sound like something we hadn't thought of yet. I was always hoping that we could get farther than that and build something that was more like, okay, Summit is a language. It's a development environment. What do people want to build? Let's let them build some kind of apps, lightweight something where, you know, it's something they can share and it's uh, it's usable by other people. But I, I 
think that I imagine that was farther out in terms of timeline. And then in this most recent push, we have a vision of having embeddable models, like models you can embed elsewhere and use. And you know, sometimes the order of things get a little flipped around when you're developing a product because you think of something as being, okay, well, once we have A, we'll develop B. And then you actually realize, well, wait a minute, actually to develop, it's kind of the other way around because maybe we want to build B along the way and you know, then A will be easier. Like you kind of sometimes get your start and stop or flipped around. So anyway, we, we were, I wasn't thinking we were going to have this anytime soon, but then Peter kind of went into his, uh, his lab, if you will, and took the components that we have, remixed them on the, in the UI, and essentially developed this prototype of a presentation mode, which is the ability to hit a button while looking at it. There's a button at the top right that's called Start Presentation. Um, and sort of like when you're doing a keynote presentation or, or, or any kind of slides, you hit a button to play, and then it like takes over your screen and it changes the mode that you're in. That's what this does. But with Summit, the mode change is we go from showing you your source code and your model to, to removing that, removing the canvas, and showing you what sort of looks like a, a fairly website. standard web app slash website, exactly, with charts at the top right, you know, a table of data at the bottom, and then a form, input fields in the left-hand <coughs> side, and, a, and basically a submit button, a run button. And that is what you're doing when you're building your model. You're always sort of building, running, seeing the output, and you've got charts. But by removing the source code component and by reorganizing the screen, it essentially turns out that Summit is a low-code like app builder effectively. I loved it. I, <laughs> and I think remixing is such a good way to describe it mm. because it didn't click for me. Like I I know you, I knew you were excited about it, like, mm. but in my head it was like if I'm imagining my parents like googling for like a searching for like a, a mortgage calculator and yeah. finding like a summit board with forms like that would be really they they would be just be confused about that yes but if they found what you shared on twitter that that, that looks like you know it just looks like someone built an app for something as you said yes and, but but it is as a, as a summit user, like I, I, I realize that it's all the same components, and they are just remixed. It's fascinating <laughs> to think like if you just take like elements of your product and like shuffle them like that, get yeah. rid of some and yeah. move some around, and yeah, it's kind of crazy. So the 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 analogy that I came up with, because that's I think that's the only way I know how to think about things, is um, if you're familiar with. Uh, Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere, these are like video editing software. And you use them to like, you know, record something on your camera, upload the film to one of those products, and then you basically edit that film and add sound and effects and everything, and then you create a movie. And you export that file ultimately. And and what we had done up until this point was basically say, yeah, you should buy Final Cut Pro. Let's call it that, right? And the reason you should buy it is because it's really fun to up, you know, add, edit video. It's really fun to edit video. <laughs> and like, there's enough, there are people out there who will get really excited about just editing video. And that's fine. It's great that those people exist. But you know, there's a lot more people who are excited about watching 
movies and watching videos and like consuming them and and then if you're a maker wouldn't you rather have a step where you get to like publish your video and it's not in the editor like why would you want somebody to look at your video in the editor you don't want that you want you want them just to see the final product and hit a play button <laughs> and basically watch your video and it's almost like we so we created this new medium for expressing data called summit and we developed this editor and then we were sort of thinking that it was farther out there but yes of course punchline we need to give people the step where they publish their their work as a consumable entity it's a consumable artifact where now your mom your dad can just basically watch the video quote unquote by just going to the to the page that has and your models powering it you know your models behind the scenes if you ripped off that layer you'd see the model you built which is your source code but yeah they don't care about your source code and they frankly don't even care how it works they just want to put in their assumptions hit a button and like get the results in charts in a table they can understand and maybe downloads download this to a spreadsheet or you know or just play with it right so yeah and the, this yeah for the people that didn't see it on twitter it's like there's like a big header mm-hmm. which would, when i saw it, it was blue yep and it had the, like, the headline was like the name of the, the the project in summit and then on the one side it had a form and the way i understood it was it's all the events on your summit board that had an input field, mm-hmm. which is something you can add to an event, so you make it dynamic, was turned into just a list of form fields that people could fill out with the yeah. labels was coming from the events. And then below those, there was a run uh, button. Mm-hmm. And then on this uh, to the on the other side of the page, there's the the charge coming out of that uh, running that model. Mm-hmm. And below that like the spreadsheet output or the tables, uh, the table output. Yeah. So yeah, that just to kind of like for people listening, I appreciate that. that. I haven't seen it. Yeah. 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 Which is very different than a canvas or any of that, you know, the, the basically yeah. the thing we've worked for two years built, but again, it's, it's the most like going back to the days of the, you know, original web pages, websites, what is it? a form with a button that you hit and then you get back some result. It's the most basic sort of client-server interaction, get some value out of it. So I guess what I'm saying is it's not like, it's not a rich app in a way. It's not like super interactive. It's put in some fields and hit a button. But it's like a card, a website or something. Yeah, that actually it's a good like way to put like... it. It's it's very lightweight in that sense. And uh, it has one purpose, which is which is this. Now, what's really cool is um, Peter and John are working on more meta layers or more sort of meta types that we can put. Th- so what if I want a description for each form field? What if I want a group form fields that are related? Um, what if I want to add some body text, you know, in the pr- in that page? It can become richer in terms of content. So we can add, let people add text, um, labels, images, etc. maybe a better title. But where this goes is then, okay, you have a committed model. We, we, we did versioning, right? So you can commit and stabilize a model. Then you can publish that. Then you should be able to publish that committed model. So presentation mode is almost like, oh, I'm, I'm editing. Let me go check out how it, how it looks in presentation mode. 
What if you wanted to sort of permanently publish presentation mode, essentially as a web page or web app, if you want to call it that, for the external world to use, or maybe a private link? Either way, we end up, you end up deploying, if you want to call it that, and, and publishing a final product out to the world that's powered by your model, and the front end is Summit created. You didn't have to do all the work. But now that's living out there as a, you know, Belgian tax calculator or a college cost estimator or, you know, this sort of infinite long tail of things that people could create mathematical models for. Um, that's where we're heading by July, I'd say, is, you know, letting people sort of create and publish and then share those externally, which gets me really excited because then you're like, okay, the business of Summit is kind of two parts, right? One is, of course, we have an editor where we want people to develop models. Um, and they could just use those internally. That's totally fine. But then there's another part of the of the platform that emerges here, which is, okay, you publish this app, this page. What if that's for private use? So like your sales team gets a sales price calculator that you build for them or somebody builds for them, somebody who knows how to build spreadsheets now just built an app for their sales team, which is cool, or marketing team or whatever. So you could have an internal app development pipeline there where Summit hosts. You could also have external, and if it's external, Summit can create a directory and a searchable index or directory of all of these models that are public so that you can come to Summit and it's the place to either use a publicly available calculator forecasting tool or simulation, or uh, it's a place to um, create and build your own, right? And so I think, uh, or maybe there's one where it says like, actually have a couple options. You can use this. The, the maker of the model also says that you can embed this if you want to in your own website or, or blog post, as long as you credit them and you link back to this page or whatever the relationship is. So we sort of become this um, marketplace of models and calculators and simulations that um, people can create, contribute to, and use. And I mean, I, I, that, that is uh, the fact that that is like not pie in the sky, like let's do that a year from now, but like that's on our summer roadmap and we're rapidly getting there makes me really, really happy, <laughs> you know, because like, I didn't talk anything about monetization or, or how that's going to work, et cetera. But I feel deep down and I feel like the market response is if that is there, I think it's going to get used. Like I think people are going to publish and create these pages and these apps that don't exist anywhere else. Um, I, I'm, I'm very confident in that. And then we can figure out with them how to monetize, promote, and, you know, search all of those. Um, and heck, I mean, we just got done talking about SEO for a while. That sounds like a pretty awesome SEO source if I can do programmatic SEO for the benefit of those model makers and us so that when somebody Googles for Belgian tax calculator, like a summit page should be one of the first page results, I would think. Like if that's, mm. if that works and gets linked to a lot, you know, um, yeah you know i did that uh owner earnings calculator the other day yeah uh, great example warren buffett style uh mm -hmm. stock uh, valuation method 
And yeah, that would be perfect use case for that. Totally. And especially like I'm thinking like if I could hide the header and just embed like the form and the output. Yeah. That would be an awesome thing to have on like a, a website about stocks and valuing stocks. That's right. So so let's say that you are an Amazon Web Service cost management SaaS, like our friends <laughs> uh, in TinySeed uh, Cloud Forecast. Let's say that you don't want your product development team to have to take its eyes off of developing and mon- you know developing monitoring tools and and cost calculators and analysis tools like if you're a core product. Your marketing team could build a calculator using Summit that they then post link to embed in their content work right that creates yeah. effectively interactive content for 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 creators um i think or that's it'd be cool yeah what if i could say like you can use my own earnings calculator five times then you have to buy some more runs that's right so why, why not have a, a thing on there that says i'd like to you know I'd like to embed this. I'd like to try this. That's fine. We'll give you an API key um, to use it, but you're in the sandbox version. Then there's an upgrade button. Now that you now that you have uh, licensed the free version on that page, when you go back, there's an upgrade button or there's a license button that you click that says enter your credit card information and you'll be charged, you know, this many cents, dollars, et cetera, per this many runs, right? And so now we incentivize a maker to build and publish a model on Summit because you essentially are publishing a reusable function for anybody else in the world to embed, run, or utilize. And heck, you could even, so where this really goes is all the parameters and input fields that are in a model. Uh, we can give the maker the ability to, to publish an API spec to that model. And so what we're actually doing in the back end is we're posting parameters to a to a model endpoint. If you want to use that model as a part of your SaaS, like your core product could use a summit model because it's doing some pretty advanced simulation work. Um, maybe as a part of your core product, you want to use a summit model, but you're going to do it on the back end. We can expose uh, an example Python or PHP code of how you would call this model, you know, in PHP or Python and get the results back so that you can use those to build a forecasting feature, a simulation of your own. I mean, I I see I think there's a world where if you're building an app in PHP, but you get to a feature that's a simulation or forecasting, you may actually choose to build that in Summit instead because it's just not fun to build or easy to build, you know, sort of these kinds of things in PHP, right? Or Node or whatever language it is. And I happen to know because I try, that's where I started, right? Like I started by trying to build a simulation engine in Python, in sort of pure Python, and I ended up building a DSL instead. Um, so I think that at some point, product developers could also license these models and say, we may eventually build this in-house but like for now, if we want to build a simulation for our customers, let's just build it in Summit, maybe as a prototype. We can test the value of that. Who cares if it requires a remote, you know a request? It's it comes back in a hundred hundred milliseconds. So like who cares? 
then we become actually part of product uh, infrastructure as well. So I think Summit is crossing a you know crossing a chasm. I almost want to say not that's a market metaphor, but like I think we're we're we are crossing some threshold here where what I, the way I thought about it earlier today is back to the framework rather than trying to promote something as a new thing it's completely new you've never seen it before and it's hard to imagine where you'd use it i think we're finally in a place where like the thing that it creates for you or the the place it takes you is familiar you're like oh (laughs) i get it i get if i build in summit i get a one of those you know i get a movie (laughs) i get a thing that i recognize and you're like okay now i get it so now i might not be sure why you summit instead of bubble or retool or something else but like i'm getting a thing that i know how to incorporate into my into my work into my life right and it's a it's an app it's a it's an api it's a whatever so um and i'd say on in in sort of behind the curtains like peter and john are working incredibly hard but also just i'm really excited by the the team chemistry right now of like just how just how it's going from a from a cadence and work standpoint i feel like communication's good you know velocity is high so uh, i i really <laughs> this is when you're in one of those zones right as a, as a business as a startup founder where you're just like i keep saying full speed ahead <laughs> you know, because like the direction's good the velocity's good like don't stop now basically and yeah we're gonna see where it takes us i think another month or two of this and we're going to have something really special that we can scale, I think. So, yeah, man. There's a band called Peter Bjorn and John Solar Developers. Wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> Is that a joke? You don't, no, there's a band called that. It's great. They have a, I don't know if they're kind of like a one-hit wonder. I'm sure you know their main song, actually. Okay. That's great. You hear it. <laughs> so that's what it feels like. <laughs> I feel like I'm in that. Um, yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's awesome. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. So I talked for a long time. I want to ask you, like, I sort of gave you the answer, and now I don't know how to ask the question. But I think what does that line up with what you were saying? Essentially, that like it crystallized. You rec- you sort of recognized the thing. Why did you like it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. Um, it's it's hard to put into words, but it was just such a like a such a clean artifact, or mm-hmm. like a, mm-hmm. yeah, like an artifact that's really easy for like I could build something in Summit and get really excited about it and show it to Maya and she'd be like, that looks weird. What was that? Right. But like if I showed her that thing, like the, that, she would be like, oh, that's cool. So I could just like put my numbers in here and whatever, whatever it is. Um, yes. Because it's not it. That's a, like a normal thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas the other thing is not like something I've seen before. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a learning curve. It, it, it basically be like, yeah, use this new uh, web development language. But instead of being able to ship a product that your users can use, like they have to basically look at your source code. And like, yeah. Like if, get excited if, about if, that. If you, if you picked a template in Summit, like in some instances, it could make sense that the presentation mode is the first thing you see. So you get to play around with the template and like understand how it works mm. and then you can click a button to change it and then maybe it's going to be more obvious to you 
what you're changing. Right. At right. least for some templates, right? Like yep. not all of them, of course. Yeah. I like that. Because as Summit also, like, this is not the only use case for Summit. Like, most of the time when I'm using Summit, I just have, like, three events. I just want to see, like, what happens if I, like, kind of, like, pipe this event into this here and, like, it grows at a certain rate. Mm -hmm. And there's also some churn and uh, whatever. Like, I, I throw this other marketing channel on, t on top. And it's it's more of a draft, like, just play around with some stuff. Yeah. Um. And just running like a very quick simulation. Like I wouldn't even think of it as a simulation. It's just like Summit is the easiest way I know how to uh, model growth. Like in if I if I did that in 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 Google Sheets, like I would have to look up, oh wait, what is it? It's like one plus something, and then it's like parenthesis, and then you have like power off and, and you're clicking and dragging and then, to the right and whereas like in, in Summit it's like at five percent yeah done <laughs> right uh cool man so that's what like that's like a, a normal use case for me like i wouldn't be building apps all the time like, sure it's more of a a, a a notepad almost so you could actually build so, so you could build that little three event model parameterize it and then kind of bookmark the presentation mode so when you when you in the future when future you was like oh, i want to just play with the inputs I don't have to like go back to the source of the model. I you actually could if you wanted to just play with the input fields and see the charts sort of respond, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I could do that, but I, I mean, I could also just like Google like annuity calculator or whatever it is sure. that I need and yeah, probably yeah. find something. Mm -hmm. But it's nice to just like from for that use case, I like the canvas a lot. Got it. Yeah, but if I, th but it would be. The 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 presentation mode is nice for like sharing it with others without totally. explaining. Yeah, why, I, why the canvas is the way it is. It's what the sales team want. Like if you're building a pricing calculator for your sales team or something, it's, the sales team expects a form that they fill out and hit a button, you know, and they yeah. get <laughs> and they get some answers. So that um. But yeah, funny. I kind of thought about like when you asked me that question, like I kind of thought about. I don't know why it popped up, but like Tesla isn't, it's not a, a company that builds cars. It's like, it's a company that builds factories that builds all the stuff that you need to build a car. Mm. And then it also builds cars. Like, but it also has like, it also builds batteries and software and uh, like marketing stuff and uh, distribution and mm -hmm. like all of that stuff. But it, it has, so it's, it's more of a, and and Summit now is more of a yeah it's like it's it's a company that builds stuff that you can use to build other th things with like yes yes yeah so I mean I should share on this podcast like I have for the last year been trying to explain that that's what Summit is and people keep coming to me through email DMs Twitter whatever and saying chat like hey, Matt, you should build a blank, right? And what they're basically saying is like, they want me to like create a model for this, for this, for this, for this. And so, and I always felt like you're sort of like going to the guy who's trying to create YouTube or Vimeo or whatever. And you're basically telling him like, you should make a scary movie. And then they're like, you should make a movie about saving the whales. You should make a movie about, and, and the, guy, the person's like, I understand that there's a lot of demand for a lot of different kinds of movies. 
But what if I told you that what my goal really is, is to like build the tools for you to make movies so that you can make like all the movies you can dream of because there's too many. Like I can't, it does I didn't build Summit so that I could build models for the world, right? I built Summit so that the world could build models for itself. And it's been so um, frustrating. I'm not frustrated with the people because I understand why, but I've been frustrated with myself for like how come people aren't seeing that. And I think this tweet or the last couple of tweets where I shared the presentation mode was the first time where people responded and said, oh, wow, people could use this to build this, 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 this. I think it's because like, what I think what's different to me is in my head, I was showing people a summit model. Whereas if I'm showing them the presentation mode, they don't they don't have to know that there's a thing called Summit. They don't have to know how I built it. They don't have to know what tool I used to to build it. Right. They might have seen like something that looks similar before, and they're like, "What? How did you build this?" Because I've seen like other things that look like it, but they don't have to know anything about what Summit is. They kind of do to understand like if I show them a canvas. Mm. Yeah, and so then the so then the focus shifts from. Wow, like you need my, to, uh, yeah. I could send someone to the presentation mode, and mm-hmm. they could do something without any instructions. Yeah, yep. And they wouldn't, and they could do that, get some value, and not still have no idea what summit is. Yes, yeah. They, they would have. They would have an idea about what my thing is. Yes. They, in their in their minds, they visited a owner, owner earnings stock uh, valuation tool. Sure, the backend could have been PHP and JavaScript, or it could have been who knows what. They, Doesn't matter. They probably wouldn't even think about how that was put together. No, they wouldn't. Why would you? You just want to use it. Yes. And I think that's what's different to me. It's like it's so uh, it's such an end user thing. Well, that's and why I, I call it an artifact. It's like it's something yes. that came out of it. Right, but but and I think and I think what that does for you as Peter is it means that you now you can now think of yourself as producing these artifacts because you can picture yeah. demand. You are aware of demand that wants those artifacts, whereas before the only demand for the artifacts I was making on the summit canvas was like me and my very finite audience like you you are you are the demand for that because you're the only one who understands what summit is now that it's recognizable it's a familiar artifact like you said you can picture demand that's beyond yourself it's maya it's your parents it's other people and you know that they're going to be able to use it and consume it you know that demand is there right so now it's you and you you don't expect me a matt to create the thing for your parents because you're like, no, no, it's fine. I know how to use Summit. I can create it because I know that they can use what I make if I use this tool, right? And like, if I want to share a meme on Twitter, it would be weird for me to send people to a Photoshop a file. Figma link. <laughs> yeah, Figma like, link. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I just want to send them the meme. Right. And, and they, they don't know if I used Figma or Photoshop. They, they don't, don't care. They don't care. And you know there's demand, for, and you know there's maybe take this once. You know there's demand for people to get that little animated GIF in their text. You're not sure there's demand for people to get a link to a Figma file and to have to like browse so, around and find 
the gif <laughs> and play it. So, someone so, someone said uh, I was eating. Uh, there's this uh, fried chicken place next to the beer meetup, Indie Beers meetup. Nice. That's like a tradition that people go there. It was amazing. And I was sitting next to this guy, Max, and he was talking about how when you're doing web development and you're kind of like explaining to other people what you did, like some of the stuff is like the stuff that looks the most simple can be the hardest stuff, like how to get like some sort of data from like some obscure API Mm. to show up in like a nice looking JavaScript app somewhere. Yeah. And when you finally make it work, you're so excited and you're like, you drag someone like from your you know, normal life, and you're like, look what I did! Like, it's now there, like, and, and like, they think you're crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a thing on the screen. Yeah. Wow, great. That's, like, that's, you know, there's a better one. I always. <laughs> they're all like that, aren't they? <laughs> right, and and I think so. This is like the behind the scenes extreme version of that, like because mm. people who not like listeners of this podcast who now sees one of these pres- like presentation mode summit pages i don't even know what sure let's just i mean what can call it an app i guess i guess it's yeah. a page yeah summit apps or whatever um they'll know like how much went into that for someone to be able to do that yeah which yes. is fascinating yes but to the end user it's just yeah there's three form fields uh, i can type something in yeah. and then it, it calculates <laughs> something or yeah. yeah yeah but you're like no no but i can i can add another parameter like in three seconds and i can change the way the numbers flow like instantly can, see and they're like well, i mean does that make it better i don't i don't care and but yeah but i think that's it is that you suddenly and i to be meta on this podcast it's very revealing that you are now talking about how you can envision other people in your life beyond you using what you make in Summit as opposed to, hey, I will keep using the things that Matt makes in Summit for myself, by myself. That's it. It's the end of the yeah. road. You know, That's what makes it a platform is that somebody can come along and, and, and envision creating value for somebody else. And them and those other people actually enjoying it, right? And so that's that's where we are at finally. And um, it's hum- it's humbling to realize that the final artifact is so plain. <laughs> but isn't it always like that's actually? I mean, yeah, it's it's like you said, Heroku. At the end of the day, it's like, oh yeah, there's a slider where I can change the one to a two and hit deploy. And you and your, if you worked at Roku, you're like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, that's going to change the number of dinos that can spin up based on load, like from one to two. <laughs> like, so yeah. why do I care? It's just a slider. It's like you, you, you invent <laughs> nuclear energy, nuclear uh, fission, and you have a nuclear <sighs> reactor. And then yeah. someone is like, yeah, I turn on the heating in my home or like, I turn on the lights. Yeah. And there's light. Yeah, yeah. I could also it's I power. Could also like start a fire. Or yeah, <laughs> you're like oh. have a stove. Yeah, but the commodification no, but this is, is energy differently. Like. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm I'm really happy because um, I've wanted a platform company for five or ten years now, and this is finally feels like feels finally feels like it's there, and it kind of puts us alongside the bubbles and the retools and the other tools out there for like a different class of problem it's like you can't do that kind of math and bubble retools mostly queries you know this is for people who want to build uh create create calculations uh 
perform calculations, create forecasts, or build simulations. And I think that's a big enough niche for us to get started. Yeah, I will say I it it took me a very long time to understand or to believe in this part of Summit. I was excited about Summit as a user. I I knew that you had these plans, and I I I felt like I had a like a, a vague idea. Mm. It didn't click, um, but I knew that you were excited about it. And normally, when you are, uh, <laughs> there, there's some sort of master plan or (laughs) (laughs) crazy but yeah but you'd say honestly you'd say what you saw in twitter this week uh is what like made it click yes cool that's crazy so good to hear (laughs) awesome man good good note yeah good note to end on perhaps yeah let's do it cool It's, it's a long one but it was uh good good to catch up yeah man thanks for letting me unpack all that feels good so all right cool see you next week cheers